Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, race and ethnicity. What do they really mean? How do you parse out ethnicity from race? And if our president is a racist, why is he not also an ethnicityist? Plus, Halloween is right around the corner. We have true stories of ghost schools in Halloween's past. They are the scariest thing you'll experience in 2020 until we hit November 3rd. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to scare this show's conversation into the realm of healthy topical treats. And now, please welcome the woman whose bag of discourse is full of digressions the size of extra-large Kit Kat bars, Paula Poundstone! Hey, Adam. Hey, you guys. And thank you so so much to tonight's house band, the one and only Nils Lofgren, and and you guys, you gotta you gotta go on your iTunes thingy there and find the song "Some Must Dream." Nils is uh, it's his song, but the guitar solo in it is extraordinary. It'll change your life. Really? Yeah. Well, Nils Nils Lofgren is is a, a legend in the music business, is he not? He is. Yeah, he's a, he, and he also was the musical director on my ABC show that I had for about a minute. Um, but he was, it, it wasn't his fault that I only had it for a minute. He was fantastic. He was. I mean, that's probably his best known credit, but he also has spent um, the last 40 years in a little band called the, called, called the E Street Band, has he not? Bruce Springsteen's yeah. E Street Band? I don't think he's as proud of that, but yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's you know, fair. <laughs> so he did a little stuff with Springsteen. I don't think that's what's important here. We have him. That's right. Thank and you, when Nils. you say a little stuff, you mean playing with rock and roll's most famous band. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but but now he's on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. So thank you, Nils. Yeah. Um, um, Nils, you're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I really gave him. Oh man, he begged. He begged. It got awkward. Yeah. That was the yeah, thing. I'm yeah, sure. so finally I'm sure. I but, said, yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been plugging away for years now, and now he gets the big break. Hey, Paula Poundstone, what else is new? You know what? I saw a thing on the News Hour on PBS, which is my favorite news broadcast, and I saw this piece a little while ago about a brass band in St. Louis that had been, you know, cheering people up by walking through neighborhoods. The, the band itself was socially distanced, and they would walk through neighborhoods and play music. And I was so inspired by that 
that I have been walking through my neighborhood um, telling jokes. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been... <laughs> I, I think a lot of people aren't home right now. Uh-huh. Because uh, I haven't really been getting the reaction that I that I was hoping for. But I'm still trying, <laughs> yeah. Adam. I'm still yeah, well, trying. You know. So... Yeah. So up. if anybody Keep wants me to come to your neighborhood, please let me know. You know, I'll do whatever I can to get there. Just, uh, but anyway, so that's what I've been doing: telling jokes, telling, trying to lift people's spirits. <laughs> as long as you're trying, I guess that's all that counts at this point. Although you do have a gig coming up, do you not? No, that was it. Okay. No. <laughs> you do. Well, Bonnie, we have a gig coming up. That was Bonnie. That was Bonnie, Bonnie we'll invite what is wrong with you? Bonnie, we'll invite you onto the show in just a minute. But like a vampire, oh, until okay. we do, you can't speak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now's yes. the point of the show now where we you, go now around that you the. Mention ho- it, Adam. Now that you mention it, I am going to be at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia, on. I'll tell you, November, hold on. No, November 13th and 14th. <laughs> I sounded so different then, didn't I? Did you hear how my voice sounded like you, a little you, bit like Amy Klobuchar? Klobuchar. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah. and I'm so happy that she's got this date on November 13th and 14th, and I think it's wonderful <laughs> for America that she's playing there, and it's right in the Washington, D.C. area. You think it's wonderful for America? Is that what you yeah. said? I do because we all I need would... to laugh at this time. Bonnie, I would... we're in our we're yeah, in our but... we're in what, what we call our opening segment segment where where everything is interesting and you've just wasted the time of everybody who's not in the Washington area. Yeah, really. I like it that you say it's so good for America. I think I would <laughs> I think I would zoom in a little tighter on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good for Annapolis. Um, so hey, good for America. So- I'm actually not going to be at the Birchmere per se. I'm going to walk around the neighborhood of the Birchmere and tell my little jokes. <laughs> I love the Birchmere. I'm, I am very excited to be there. In Alexandria, Virginia, America. Um, all right, Adam, go ahead. Ask those guys right. what they've been doing. I, I'm going to move along. And uh, this, is the, uh, this is the part of the show where we go around the horn and see how everybody's doing. Hey, Adam. Be- hey, yes. Adam. You know, yes. I moved along just last night when I was telling my little jokes out in the neighborhood. I moved along. So it's funny that yeah. you use that phrase. It's funny that I would use the same phrase uh, yeah. For, yeah. for something. I, I'm, yeah. I moved along, yes. So we have that in common, using that phrase. Okay, go ahead. Ask those guys what they've been doing. Okay, I'm going to go around the horn and say hello to, to our You know what's people. funny? Do you know what's what? funny is I went around the horn <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Is that a funny yeah. coincidence? I don't um, know if it's a funny ha-ha coincidence. <laughs> I think it was. Well, I guess it is now. <laughs> anyway, uh, just, we're just gonna we're just gonna press forward here and um, uh, go around the horn, I, as it were. What, Paula? I pressed forward when I, I was know you did. Tell my jokes. <laughs> I know you pressed forward. Yeah, I did. Yeah, right up here, about three houses down. I said, "Knock, knock." And uh, they said, who's there? <laughs> I said, orange. Uh, orange who? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? That was, uh, so, 
If you live in my area, I'm going to be back out there. You know, probably yeah. just just you know, probably tonight around. I don't know. I thought 10. it was. I thought it was. Aren't you glad I? I don't. Why did I say? Aren't you glad I didn't say I'm sorry? What? No. But I don't know wasn't. why I. No, yeah. it was. <laughs> aren't you glad I didn't say I, banana? And what kind of oh. camp did you go to? <laughs> Bonnie, I am going to get an audio restraining order against you. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Bonnie Bonnie will be her own. She'll be her own counsel in court. She'll stand up and say, Your Honor, <laughs> if it please the court, we'll helo. <laughs> she will say that. Yeah. Okay, Adam, you go ahead. Go ahead. All right, good. So here we go. Tony, what have you been doing? Hi. Um, <laughs> uh, I just want to first of all thank all the nobodies who supported my opinion on the nose, Frida. There were a lot of them who love it and swear by it. So okay, this is the yeah. this is the device <laughs> that, rather than those squeezable bulbs, allows you to, with your own mouth, suck out your baby's boogers. Snot. Yes. That okay. is what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a filter. I don't, I you don't see, like so eat the snot. A, a lot of people. Well, there's a relief. So a a lot of people supported you on that, Tony. They did. They've come out in support, like on Facebook. I've gotten some emails. It's been great. It's been really nice. And have you got any I packages? Because I wouldn't open those if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> no packages yet because I people no absolutely yeah. not um and so I went to a friend's house who's pregnant and she has a whole Frida kit so she has the nose Frida she had like a brush some nail clippers but then I found out about the Frida Wendy the gas passer wait what so you suck <laughs> gas out of your kid's abdomen that is disgusting <laughs> no it's ass no, you don't put your mouth on this one, you guys. All right, I'm going to ask you everybody to clear the deck for a second while Tony is given a moment to explain what the gas Frida is. Go ahead, go ahead, Tony. What's the gas Frida? Like we should even be asking this. Okay, so um, it's this little tube that you do, you lubricate, and you do stick up the baby's bum. Oh, for oh, God's no. guess- sake! <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, then that helps. And then you should hear. And then apparently you hear a whistle, and that means the baby's gas has passed. <laughs> but they say to have a, they say to have a diaper ready because I guess it gets messy. <laughs> It's another so sex story. You're making this up. Are you fucking no, kidding? It's called, it's called Windy, Windy the Gas Passer. Are we, are we suddenly hey. dealing with a world where babies are having trouble farting on their own? Jesus. I, talk I, about, I don't know. Talk about enabling. Talk about not teaching your kid grit. Yeah, <laughs> and I, th- I think I think it's embarrassing enough to have a twelve-year-old who I still occasionally cut meat for. Ooh, that is embarrassing. <laughs> Can you oh, imagine? 
Can you imagine yeah. if your kid kind of gets a little hooked on the on the on the windy baby, Frida? Yeah, yeah. Windy the gas passer, and they're they're disposable, so you only use it once. You only use it once. You don't like have to wash it or anything. And then they hey, comes mom, that I day. brought my laundry home, and uh, one other thing. <laughs> There comes that day where you have to sit down with your kid and say, you know what? You're going to have to pass your own gas. That's just, no, no, I don't want to. Um, okay, that is really disgusting. And yeah. uh, and right. totally unnecessary, by the way. Um, <laughs> there's a good reason to put more plastic in the world. Um, that is true. Yeah, I, I know, Paula, that we're going to have some listener write in and say, my baby was born with butt cork syndrome. And Yeah. Well, I mean, know. sure, if there's some sort of medically implied reason why one. But, you know, what's wrong with a flexi straw? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just... At least there's a clown oh, on the package. Uh, all right, that is that wow. is repulsive. And well, I, um, I don't generally get to say this a lot, but Bonnie Burns, can you top that? <laughs> no. Now I know how Tony feels when she goes, I hate going after Bonnie. I don't even know there's nothing I can say that could follow this. Well, I what's mean, new? I, I, really, it <laughs> seems so... so Anticlimactic. It's like there's uh, a stopper on it, so it doesn't go too far. Just so that is gross. (laughs) You know, here's what I think. What I think this, like when I was in therapy, I used to always think about what am I good at. (laughs) I used to think about what am I going to talk about before I got there so that I wasn't left with nothing to say. And so really? I had these things in mind to talk about today. But honestly, so you sort of like did a show right for your now, therapist, Bonnie? Is that what, what you, you did say? kind of a sh- did you kind of do a show for your therapist? Would you bring like a a little puppet theater stage with a curtain and open <laughs> it up and then <laughs> No, it wasn't like that, but I didn't want to just go in there unprepared. So Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since I was in Freudian analysis and I was supposed to stare at the wall and free associate. But yeah, oh, I always for had God's idea, like it's not free association <laughs> if you take notes on Here's it. What I was going to talk about. Okay, so I did have this idea, but this ad lib conversation, whatever it was, is going to be so hard to follow. So. I'm going to go to nothing I thought I'd talk about. Here's what this reminds me of following Tony. So there used to, I hope Paula, I'm sure Paula won't mind me telling this story. So there used to be this thing <laughs> called farm, farm Aid. And, you know, it was oh, yeah. to raise money for the farmers. And they did it for years, years, and they always had music. So they got this idea that yes, they because it was Willie have, Nelson's event. Oh, it was Willie Nelson's event. Okay, I've, I forgot about that. Paula might have to yeah. fill in some details. So they got these, <laughs> this idea <laughs> after like five years or something that they would add comics. So they call me for Paula and, okay, great idea. She wants to do it. But, of course, being a good manager, the manager I am, I say, well, she'll only do it. She has to be the headliner, which means that she goes on, you know, just before the – big music act who was 
Neil Young, I believe. So it was in the New Orleans Superdome. We go to New Orleans. You know, we get there. You go in underneath one of those big Superdome things. It's all like the limo pulls in. It's all concrete and everything. We walk in. I think we got there about 2.30 in the afternoon. As soon as we go through the doors, you can just smell the place reeking of beer. And you hear this crowd. I don't know, Paula, how many people you think were in there? Like 40,000? There were 30,000. Okay, 30,000 people. And Paul Rodriguez was on stage, and he's yeah. yelling at the top of his lungs. I still remember the line. He goes, blah, 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 Manny, Moe, and Jack. Like there wasn't even a punchline. And the crowd goes, <laughs> yay, 30,000 people. And we're probably both thinking at the same time, oh, shit, this is not going to work well. These people are all drunk, and they're not even laughing at a punchline. So, okay, they get to Neil Young, and the part nobody thought about was they have the comic. They brought her out there. The curtain was down, and they had Neil Young's people doing the sound check behind her. So the whole time she was on, like, telling her jokes, you can hear behind her, you can hear behind her this, testing, one, two, two, two. <laughs> Plus, and meanwhile, so my, my gas I, was building up, and I knew Bonnie wasn't going to help me. Oh, man. <laughs> what could I? <laughs> so I'm like in the wings. You know, I've worked with her for I don't know how many years. I know her pretty well. 26. And I see, you know, these people are all like shoved in towards the stage, masses of people. And I can see her like throwing out different subjects to try and like catch a line to get this audience. And, you know, it's trying stuff, trying stuff. Finally, she gets to the cat material, which, you know, is usually a winner. <laughs> Not, nothing especially, lights up a Poundstone audience like the cat hunk. I know that. Well, especially with 30,000 people waiting for Neil Young, drunk off their asses. What they really want is my cat jokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all those, all those, all those tractor drivers, right? <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, there was a lot of windbreakers. What happened in, now? In by now, you're playing to like the first three rows of people. <laughs> or yeah, they loved me, right? And they come to me. <laughs> some guy comes to me and says, "She's going to have to stretch because they're not ready yet." Neil Young's people aren't ready. Yet. <laughs> So then what happened? I was trying to get your attention or something from the side, and I'm, like, holding my arms out in the stretching yeah, she, thing. she made the stretch gesture from the side. Oh, And God. do you remember what I did, Bonnie? I think you made me come out there. I did. I turned. So I'm bombing my ass off, right? I'm, like, dripping sweat. 30,000 people. Um, and, uh, and Bonnie starts making the stretch sign on the side. <laughs> And I look over and I see her doing it. And I said, you, you are fucking kidding me. I said, you know what? You come out here and tell me that. <laughs> and so she walks out <laughs> on stage. And she goes, they want you to stretch. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so my now God. the whole thing gets finished. And the guy that Oh, no, you forgot this comics. part. So the crowd starts oh. yelling, Neil! Neil and and oh, the thing is, <laughs> I knew, I knew that at least half this crowd 
hated my guts and wanted Neil Young to come on. But they were so fucked up that honestly, half of them thought I was Neil Young. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. I told my kids years later, I said, you know, a thousand of those people loved me. They just weren't sitting together. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, well, Paula, all that said, do you do you have a word? <laughs> do you have a word for us this week? I do have a word, Adam. It's the word putative. It's an adjective that means generally considered as or believed to be. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. My dog Moe's putative father was a Newfoundland. Um, that's that's a good sentence. Thank you. Uh, All right, so there's no way I'm going to be able to remember this word without putting it in my vocabulary song like this. Oh, shoot. There it is. Why don't you just put a piece of... No, it isn't. Why don't you just put a piece of tape on the the note that should be the first note? (laughs) No, that's it. Okay. That's it. Okay, ready? Here we go. Uh... This week's word is putative. It's an adjective that means generally considered as or believed to be. Like we started out as creatures from the sea. Last week's word was asseveration. It's a noun that means a solemn or emphatic statement or declaration. If we're too stupid to wear masks, we're all done. The week before that we had purulent. It's an adjective that means consisting of or containing or discharging pus. I hope that never happens to us. Going back before that, we had seminal. It's an adjective that means of a work or event or idea strongly influencing later developments. The Democratic Convention had virtual celebrants. And not long ago, we had insouciant. It's an adjective that means carefree, unconcerned, free from care or worry. I'll eat it even if it's furry. Let's never forget Gullamoffrey, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's Podge? Hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. 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 But I do. I do. I do. I do. Yay! <laughs> that's that's the week is, before become... that the word when the word was pure you let i was doing more <laughs> <laughs> really don't if we start building encores into our vocabulary song we'll never get out of here oh my gosh <laughs> i used to work with well, all these that, people Paul. who planned encores i never planned an encore in my life well i would say to the mc before they went out they'd go bring me back for an encore so the really? MC would go out to dead silence and go, you want more? And the crowd would go, well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Neil! Um, <laughs> Meghan Markle said, to describe something as being black and white means it's clearly defined. Yet when your ethnicity is black and white, the dichotomy is not that clear. In fact, it creates a gray area. We're going to explore those gray areas. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone.
Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because when Helix first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes you know when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff it's really not that technical you know uh no matter what way you sleep they have a mattress that will support and comfort you how hard is that uh, you know when you say it that way it seems a lot simpler i take it back that's my boner <laughs> and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge and helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home that's why they offer a hundred night trial and a 10 to 15 year warranty to try out your new helix mattress well i like that there's a warranty but they can pry that mattress from my cold dead hands i took the sleep quiz i was matched with the helix midnight lux i got the lux And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said, there's also Giddy. 
Okay, and we are back, and oh my lord, thank you to our house band, Nils Lofgren. Unbelievable. Thank you, Nils. Adam, 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 I forgot to tell you, we have uh, an auction today. I got the most amazing item. Okay, so we're holding an auction for our listeners. That's right. We are auctioning off, on tonight's show, uh, I have here... The compass, and I don't mean the direction kind of compass, I mean the drawing compass uh, with the, you know, the pointy thing on the end and the little pencil. I have the compass that Charles Schultz, the cartoonist of the beloved Peanuts comic strip, used to draw Charlie Brown's head. Wow. <laughs> now, you, 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 you say the compass, so he only used one over all those years? Because he drew that strip from the 50s to the 80s, I believe. Yeah, well, it's adorable compass. Uh, he did, well, he drew all the way until actually 1990-something. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Of course, everyone remembers the Peanuts, Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, Snoopy, Schroeder, Violet, Peppermint Patty, who called him Chuck, uh, who called Charlie Brown Chuck uh, Franklin yep, yep. and and mm-hmm. uh, Woodstock, who I still consider new. Okay. Um. So I'm so excited to have this item uh, for for, for well. you guys. Oh, I forgot about Pigpen. Oh, mm-hmm. and I am Pigpen. Mm-hmm. Marcy, <laughs> did you say Marcy? I didn't say Marcy. You're right. Okay. I'm just asking. Okay. Uh did I, did I? I don't think I said Sally either. Sally, Charlie Brown's little sister. Anyways, the beloved comic strip. We have the compass that uh-huh. that Charles Schultz used to draw uh, Charlie Brown's head. So we'll be taking uh, bids over email, and I'm really excited. Um, oh my gosh! Uh, oh, wait a minute. What's There's that? Already a bid. Ah, fuck! It's from Mitch McConnell. Really? <laughs> yeah, it would kill me if Mitch McConnell got this. Yes, he's Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, uh, who's married wow. to Elaine Chow, the Secretary of Transportation, with relatives yep. in paving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell me that's not a little on the corrupt side. Anyways, Mitch McConnell, uh, who has nothing but bills sitting on his desk um, that he's yeah. not passing to help the American people, Mitch McConnell has wow. been... $2,000, which is kind of a shitty thing to do because, you know, a lot of nobody's bid on these items, and they're not rich. A lot rich. of our fans, yeah. They're not rich like Mitch McConnell, but okay, all right, fine. Mitch McConnell, he'll probably get it. Mitch right. well, McConnell you, you, bid $2,000. You never know. You never he know, probably he just might. wants it so other people can't have it. That's so that's, Mitch McConnell. That's Amy McGrath, is. go get him, would you? Uh, anyways, he has bid $2,000 on the uh, Charles Schultz compass. Uh, Paula, it's a census year, and that means yes, it is. we're filling out the census forms, which includes a box asking you about your race, which back historically presented a special challenge for you and your son, Thomas, right? Not just for Thomas. My my whole family, 10 years ago when we did the last census— um, and I, I know I had done it before, but I didn't really remember what the questions were. It was how many people, I think I'm right about this, how many people live in your dwelling and what is their race or ethnicity or and ethnicity? And and that's when I first realized, like, A, I don't know the difference between race and ethnicity. They said that you could pick four things. They give a list, I forget of how many, and then, of course, there was an other 
And um, my kids are, I adopted all of my children, and I don't know, I know a little something about the maternal side of their birth parents, but nothing about the paternal side. And uh, and I, by the way, I don't think there's that many people that are less than four things in their background. No, I don't um, think so. And I remember a long time ago, um, I listened to a book on tape uh, that was a biography of Marco Polo. And they said in there that the uh, Mongols, Kublai Khan, had raped and pillaged to such a degree that one in 200 of us are Mongols. Mongol wasn't one of the things on the list. Um, And so I said to my kids, I go, you know what? Pick what you want to be. Because I dare anybody to argue with us. No one knows. We don't know. And uh, so my son chose Hawaiian. And uh, (laughs) I feel that he has been so much more grounded since he discovered his roots. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I wouldn't know. I mean, as you know, I know your kids, now adults, and I wouldn't know looking at them what what their various genetic derivation might be. No, I got I got no idea. Is does procrastination come from any one background? No, I think I think that might be almost universal. Yeah, um, they're they're from procrastination land. Is there yeah, probably somewhere? It's one yeah. of their it's one of their four. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited to potentially get the answer to these questions. And we're gonna about to get it because fortunately we have someone on the phone who is a scholar in this very area. Aviva Alvarez-Zaxon earned her master's at UCLA in education with an emphasis in ethnic studies. She now teaches world history and ethnic studies in Los Angeles, California. Let's welcome Aviva Alvarez-Zaxon. Can you teach my students to do that for me? Oh, Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) You you deserve it. (laughs) Hi. Hi, thank you so much for being here, Aviva. Absolutely. Um, so what is the difference between ethnicity and race, or is there one? Oh, if that were a simple answer. Um, so I have for you um, kind of the long answer and the short answer. The long answer is that both race and ethnicity are social constructs. They are constantly evolving. They are invented by people, and the definition of them is not really that firm, and it's not the same across cultures and languages. Um, So so it's like punctuation. Kind of. (laughs) Um, So, but if we're going to get into, like, you know, the actual definition semantics of it all, um, race is a group of people of common ancestry distinguished from others by physical characteristics. Ethnicity Mm -hmm. is belonging to a social group of common national or cultural traditions. So when I teach this to my students, I really emphasize that last bit of each definition. Race is really based in physical difference, and ethnicity is really based in belonging to a common national or cultural tradition or just kind of sense of cultural being. Um, I also teach that there are multiple races within ethnicities and multiple ethnicities within races. However... Um, as you probably experienced filling out the census, as I did, Um, the U.S. census doesn't seem to care about these definitions. Um, I'm I'm personally a biracial person. My mom's side of the family is uh, immigrants from um, Iran, but they are Jewish. My dad's side of the family is Guatemalan. And it was a very confusing experience for me filling out the census for the first time. And I also had my students do it right after they studied these concepts, and they couldn't figure it out either. Oh, interesting. Um, so the census is 
it seems almost intentionally confusing because you'll see in the census for ethnicity, the only options they give for ethnicity are Latino, Hispanic, or non-Hispanic, basically. And then for race, um, they give many options, including different nationalities of, for example, they offer Chinese, Japanese, um, and Vietnamese as options for race, which those are technically not races. Those are nationalities and thus um, perhaps more appropriate under ethnicity. Huh. Yeah. However, we have to remember that there are people who are born in Japan who are not necessarily Asian, right? There are people right. who are born in China who are not necessarily Asian. Um, right. So it, it doesn't really make sense to put that under the race category because, for example, I know many people who um, have a black parent and an Asian parent. Where, like, what do they put down? Do they like how does that most appropriately address them? I would put down just like Tiger Woods. Basically, a Tiger Woods. Hand- I think Tiger Woods handled it quite well, actually. Why? What does he Tiger say? Woods. What does he say? Oh goodness, I can't remember the term, but he basically had a combined term that yeah. encompassed all of his um, different races and ethnicities all into one big word. Um, huh. And I, that was actually I had a middle school teacher who had us do that, and I had the pride of having the longest one. Um, do you, rem- in my class. Do you remember you what it is? Do you remember what it is? For me, uh, I, yeah. I think it was a. Guatemala, Guatemalan, Iranian, Jewish, <laughs> like something like that. <laughs> Which again, in there, um, none of those things were actually races. Those were all ethnicities. Oh my lord! Those are ethnicities, really? Okay. The well, short, my Jewish. short answer, I guess, my yeah. short answer to it all is it kind of doesn't totally matter. Um, yeah. At the end of the day. It's about your identity and how you identify with your how you identify yourself, and then also the identities the identities of others and how you respect others' identities and how they identify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the beginning of the school year, I I, I assume you have a plan. So mm-hmm. what what are the subtopics of your ethnic studies class? So, so what are the units, so to speak? Yeah. So the units have titles. The titles are who who am I? Who are we? Uh, what do we need and how will we get it? But the um, big subtopics under there, mm-hmm. uh, the first unit is really about identity. Uh, the second unit is about community, cultural wealth and capital. Um, the third unit is about identifying, resisting and combating oppression. And the fourth unit is where I kind of let the students take the reins. And depending on how the semester has gone, um, they sometimes address issues on campus or even in the larger community that our campus is in. That sounds great. We, I, I don't think we ever talked about this sort of stuff uh, in in my high school. Mm. Um, all right. So w- one of the things I, I wanted to ask you is, do you find a, a difference in students or a sense of a sense of anything different about the students after the Who Am I unit? Hmm. Uh, it really depends on the student. I think it's really important to remember that my students, um, they come to me 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. They're young mm-hmm. um, and developing. And sometimes actually they're very resistant to the material um, because it, it can be really uncomfortable to examine yourself and really uncomfortable to think about um, your different identities. And some people even have really painful associations with parts of their identities, whether it has to do with rejection from their family because of their sexual orientation or racism that they've experienced, um, experience with ICE and deportation and things like that in their family. It can be really hard and painful. Um, but I do like to think that I see the impact when they've come back to me about, you know, a semester later or a year later. And they're like, I'm really glad you made us think about those things, even if I didn't like to do it when we were doing it. 
Um, do you notice do, how do reactions break down about uh, along the lines of races and ethnicities in your class? Are there people who are more resistant uh, that you've noticed any trends just among or, or just know less about race? I mean, my my assumption is that the white kids will know less. Oh, that's really interesting. In my experience, so I haven't had many white students. Um, they're definitely the minority of my school, and thus my classes. Um, but I actually feel like um, in my ex- I've talked about this with my colleagues. Um, my white students actually tend to respond very positively to the material, but I think it largely has to do with the fact that they don't really have any pain associated with examining oh, race and ethnicity right. versus mm. a student who. Um, so a student like me, like if, if I were to put myself into my own classroom, I'm a biracial kid. I my Spanish is horrible, and I didn't go to Hebrew school, so I don't really, I didn't really feel like I had ownership of either of my identities, and so I would just, you know, kind of shut down at these subjects a bit when I was in high school because I just didn't really have a strong sense of self, and I didn't want anyone telling me how to identify. And that experience happens across all races and ethnicities of students. Um, like this, just, and especially teenagers, right? It's really hard to feel a sense of identity when you're a teenager. But right. um, what, so one of the things that comes with white privilege is you don't really have to have a critical self-examination, right? Like you don't really right. have to think of yourself in that way. So it's mm-hmm. really easy to think of other people in that way. To really, it's like to explore that because there's no there's no pain or trauma involved in it. You know, th- that's interesting because I remember when I was, I think I I'm, I couldn't have been uh, younger than 18 when it happened, when somebody just kind of clued me into the fact that I don't think about my ethnicity as a white guy, although mm-hmm. although I do come from Jewish parents, but I, I rarely think about that because I don't have to, because it's the background noise in everybody's life. Mm-hmm. It's really considered the, it's considered the normal, if you will. The or default, yes. The default, the base, um, everything. And it's really just everything from like, if you were to picture um an actor in your head. Like if I just say the word actor, I like it. I personally see Chris Pine, right? Like that's who I see. Um, versus, um, or, or Chris Pine lookalike, I guess. Um, yeah. Or if you to go to the, go to a drugstore and, big, and buy band-aids, what color are the band-aids going to be? Right. right. Like it's, it's, it's everywhere um, in the United States in our culture. It's really just everywhere. And it's so pervasive. And yet if you are, you are of that identity. If you are white, um, then it's kind of easier to just not even notice it. All right. Let me just mm-hmm. say this one thing. There are Little Mermaid Band-Aids. Yes, for the just, Little Mermaid skin folks. Yeah, right. Exactly. So no, wait. That's, <laughs> that's, okay. that's made things more, no, less equitable in the sea, I think. So if you right. happen to have a mermaid that gets injured, you put that on them. And right. then... You know, walruses get upset. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right about, you know, about that. Although, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know what age I began to feel. Okay. In high school, we had, uh, now I, I, Aviva, I grew up during forced busing. And mm-hmm. uh, and I'm from Massachusetts. And oh, I never, we didn't have forced busing in my town and talk about background noise. Um, but in our town, mercifully, uh, luckily, one of the things for which I am most grateful is that we had a program called the Metco program where inner city kids, black kids from the inner city, from Roxbury, came in on a voluntary program. And I'm so glad that they did. Uh, and it was a tremendous effort on their part 
because they had to get up much earlier than the rest of us did. If they missed the bus going home, uh, they didn't have a late bus. They had to stay with somebody in Sudbury instead of going back home. So, you know, they did lots and lots of things that went well out of their way. Um, and for me, they were ambassadors. Mm. For for me, they were, uh, I met people that I wouldn't have met any other way. And I began to see like, oh, bigger world than I used to know mm-hmm. about. Um, and I wish I could find, I wish I could find my friend Sherman Brown, by the way. Um, Sherman, if you're out there, if you happen to be listening to this, uh, write in at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And if you know Sherman, uh, no, who was Sherman, from Roxbury. Sherman Brown. That's Sherman. what I said. I said, I said, sure. No, huh? you said Sherman. It's Sherman, like the like the toilet paper, except for not. Sherman. Okay, Sherman, Sherman Brown. Sherman Brown, yeah. Sherman if anybody Bra- knows oh, Sherman wow. Brown from Massachusetts, please tell her to uh <laughs> please tell her to write a theme song for uh, nobody right. listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> she's 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 from Roxbury, but she went to school in Sudbury. Now, um Raquel Cepeda wrote, Are Latino Americans white, black, other? Illegal aliens from Mars? Or are we the very face of America? Stay tuned as we discuss the very face of America. The Cat of the Week is Chet from Lakewood, Colorado. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so co- it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quint sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. We're back here with ethnic studies teacher Aviva Alvarez Zaxon. All right, so let me ask this question. Um, like, as we know, and as you've said, uh, Aviva, um, race and ethnicity are social constructs to a large degree, and it's hard to tell the difference uh, between them. And what we always need to do is respect what somebody identifies as because that is who they say they are. Mm -hmm. And what this led to was a very interesting question during our break from um, our producer, Land Romo who wanted to ask, how does that relate to the case of Rachel Dolezal? Mm -hmm. For everybody who doesn't know, Rachel Dolezal was exposed to somebody who'd lived to her basically her entire life um, as, as a black woman, was even the chairman of a local chapter of the NAACP, I think, and it turned out she wasn't black. She was, in fact, a white woman. Mm -hmm. So, Well, how, how did she get mistaken? I mean, how did she pass herself off as black? Well, so one, it's important to recognize that Rachel Dolezal is not the only person to have done this. Um, she, there are many people coming forward, um, recent, especially recently, that ha are you know coming clean, if you will, about posing as a black person. Um, really? Yeah, there have been quite a few cases. Many, you know, people in academics, people even in social justice circles. Um, it's quite fascinating and interesting and disturbing. The, um, the difference there, like, so this idea of like, oh, we have to respect what people identify as. Um, we also have to expect, respect the existing cultures and race and races of people and like the existing history there. And just really, uh, this is such an interesting and difficult question, but it's one thing to love and appreciate and be in solidarity with people, especially from backgrounds and heritages that have been historically marginalized, historically oppressed, and even, you know, faced things like genocide, right? Um, it's one thing to love and appreciate and want to support them. And it's another thing to masquerade yourself and act like you actually carry that history, that you carry um, that lineage. Um, mm -hmm. And that is really, it's honestly quite disrespectful because this isn't a belief like religion where you can believe in something. This is 
like while it is not necessarily based in science and DNA, there's a through line. Um, There is a history there. And it also just doesn't make sense. If you are of a privileged group of people, why wouldn't you then leverage your privilege for the benefit of those groups that, that probably could use your privilege in that sense? Why not leverage it instead of actually trying to pose as someone with less privilege? But let's push it even further. What about somebody who... Uh, might be racially white, but is raised in a black neighborhood, perhaps by a black family. D- does that does what you say change there? Um, so I'm not a black person, so I think um, I don't think I can really give a really good answer to that, and like how uh-huh. it feels to have to have somebody you know behave in a certain way, speak in a certain way, or what might feel like appropriate a culture in a certain way. Um, uh-huh. What I what I will say is that again, there is a difference between loving, appreciating, being raised around. And between that and appropriating, taking, and just looking at something like, ooh, I like this. I'm going to put this on, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like to treat like a race or an ethnicity like like an article of clothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And remember that like at any point, someone like Rachel Dozal can just, you know, um, style her hair differently and take off her makeup and just be a white woman again. Does anyone ever masquerade as Swedish? I do. The one Muppets, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about the Muppet. Um, I, I find myself, okay, this isn't race or ethnicity, but I find myself, wherever I go, I end up with that accent for a little while. <laughs> and I think, I think part of it is just my really strong desire to fit in. Mm. <laughs> that's also that's that's natural too <laughs> i could go to england for a day i come back i sound like the beatles <laughs> I, I, it's embarrassing actually you know or same thing i go to the south now my family is from the south but i was raised in massachusetts and uh but uh, you know i can be southern in a matter of seconds um because I would love to hear that. We were well because we were Southerners, <laughs> and I, I'm. I'll tell you something. Now, when you talk about culture, all the women on my mother's side of the family, the next generation, her mother and her aunt, uh, all chewed snuff. Now, who wouldn't want to associate themselves with that? They'd tuck it in front of their mouth with his tongue, and then they'd talk to you like that, and then they'd take a can and spit it out. So disgusting, I can't even tell you. And you called um, it snuff and not chaw? No, it wasn't chaw, Em. It was snuff. <laughs> and they used a snuff cam. What's the matter with you, boy? Uh, yeah, that's that's how my that's how my relatives <laughs> talked. <laughs> and right. they and they were lovely people, sort of, and they could cook. Uh boy. What I realize now is that part of what was absolutely delicious about Southern food was pork fat and butter. Yeah, uh, still is. Oh still my is a gosh. big part it of really it. really is. Yeah, it really is. Anyways, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, move, let's move on slightly more onto topic. Um, uh, Aviva, have you ever said anything in your class that... Like, what's the biggest truth bomb you drop or thing that you say that causes the most drama? Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, when I disclose to my students... Don't lie to us. <laughs> if I when I disclose to my students that I prefer the Clippers to the Lakers, it causes a lot of drama oh. and more oh. drama than anything else. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not joking, which I think I, is like an important thing to say because it, like this truthfully, like 
yes, many of these topics are very controversial and some of them will make the kids go, what? What did you say? Are you sure, miss? Like they'll kind of question me a bit here and there. But uh-huh. honestly, the Clippers insults them the most. Um, yeah. Okay. I have another <laughs> I have another question. Um, do you know Cher's half-breed song, Aviva? I do. <laughs> now, are, are you too young to have been moved by that song? Because Margot Hennessy and I, I'm, I, I, I'm part, I'm, here's, okay, this again, go back to me in high school. I, I'm, wow. according to my mother, I'm part Choctaw. She also said I was part Cherokee, but that may have been her just acquiescing to my strong desire to want to be part Cherokee because of the Paul Revere and the Raiders song. Um, <laughs> again, just wanting to fit in. Um, me and Margot Hennessy would not get off the school bus until that song, the Cher half-breed song, had finished playing every morning. We found it so moving. Wow, not- Paula, I'm too young to have been moved by that song. Oh, what what about you, Aviva? Have you heard that song? I've heard the song. Um, I have to say, I'm a, I'm much more um, moved by "Do You Believe in Life After Love," um, but um, I think that's a wonderful answer. That is a great answer. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I I empathize with Cher's experience. However, she's also I th- like from what I understanding of the song, she's also referring. To you know that term being used as a racial slur against her, yes, so I can't yes, identify there with her. Absolutely, yes, yes, she is. I I don't think that Cher, by the way, I don't think we. What is Cher's background? I I don't have any idea. I don't think it's what she portrayed in that song. I actually do not know. I assume because of the song that she was part Native American, but she's I don't. Armenian. I'm not sure. She's, she's Armenian. Armenian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's. It's harder to fit that into a song, Armenian. Um, keep in mind, she also did Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. So, you know, somebody told me one time, and I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody told me that when Yul Brenner would be interviewed, he would just make up a different story about his background every time, which I sort of think was brilliant. Because who cares? That's, a, that's an important question. Does it matter? I think it really matters if you are taking claim to a level of history and like artistry that comes from that heritage, right? No, um, does, I, I mean, does it matter what your background is? Does it matter? Well, of course it matters in a sense because it helps to ground you. Uh, for many people, really is part of your identity. It's part of your food culture. It's part of your... Um, language background, right? It's part of, you know, the way that your family communicates often has to do with your heritage and background. I would kind of add to that, though, that I think in the United States, people like to act like not everyone has background, but that's just not true. Like to be, if you were born, to be born in Massachusetts, like Paula Poundstone, your voice is so iconic to me. I know exactly where you're coming from, right? Like that is background, right? Um, I, that to be, to be from the South is background, right? I think we need to really open our eyes to what like, what our backgrounds really mean and not focus so much only on our race and ethnicities because when we because it's just not always what's most important to us, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's the experience many of my students have where they're like, yeah, this is my race and ethnicity, but it's so much more important to me that I speak this language or that I'm from this town or that I moved from here. And or that, that they root should, for the Lakers. Or that they root for the Lakers, exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's... I, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think heritage, when it comes to race and ethnicity, 
is so important um, to so many of our backgrounds, and we should also be considering other parts of who we are. Yeah, we are so intersectional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great way. That, that I like that. Thank you so much, Aviva Alvarez Zaxon. We've learned so much about issues of race and ethnicity. Now we're going to take your wisdom and run that information through the old Pounstonator. Paula? All right, Nils Lofgren, who I worship, if I can get a little background music, I'll tell you what the Pounstonator spit out. Uh, And thank you, Aviva. That was wonderful and a lot to think about. The Pounstonator was really grinding away on this. I'm stuck on just the first unit of your class. Who am I? How do I identify? Am I my ancestry? Or am I my social group or or a cultural tradition? I am white. My mother said that on her side, I was part Choctaw and part Cherokee. But I think she said I was Cherokee because I wanted to be because of the Paul Revere and the Raiders Cherokee Nation song. On my father's side, she said I was part German. I grew up in the suburbs of Massachusetts, but I was born in Huntsville, Alabama. We vacationed in the South, and my mother was a Southern cook. I went to Lincoln Sudbury Regional High School in Massachusetts, and I played basketball very poorly, but I loved the game. I've lived in California for 40 years. I'm a performer. I've been a stand-up comic for either 41 or 42 years. I spent a lot of time on Twitter. I've worked in Ohio many times, and my cat, Baloo, was from there. I have some facial hair. I love people, and I want to make them happy. I went to high school with a girl named Sharman Brown, who I loved and looked up to. She was black. She played basketball. She was raised in Roxbury, Massachusetts, and attended Lincoln Sudbury Regional High School. Cher is a performer. She used to live in Los Angeles. I don't know where she lives now. She's Armenian, according to Tony Anita Hall. She's on Twitter. I've tried to communicate with her on Twitter to get her to call me. She won't. She sang a song about being part Cherokee, but I don't think she is. LeBron James is black. He plays basketball. He's from Ohio, but I believe he lives in Los Angeles. He has a beard. He said that we need to push back on everything that is the opposite of love. Who am I? Racially, I am closer to Hitler than I am to any one of these people that I admire. I reject that. Wow. Wow. All right. Somewhere, (laughs) Hitler is crying a single tear. She is one of the winners of the Los Angeles Unified School District's Rookie of the Year Award. Thank you so much for being on our show. Aviva Alvarez-Zaxon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank Thank you. Aviva, that was just fantastic. Yeah, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so cool. Coming up, Halloween is around the corner. Let's get scared. No, wait, we're already scared. Let's share scary stories that somehow put a name to our fright and make us less scared. We can only hope. That's coming up right after this. Fun fact, to make it easier to pronounce 
in Japan, Ronald McDonald is called Donald McDonald. And to make it easier, pronounced Donald Trump is pronounced Donald Fat Idiot. We now join the weekly French Trump press conference in progress. Gracias, Mr. President. Antonio Montoya with Telemundo again. At your rally in Gastonia, North Carolina, you said that Laura and Eric had a beautiful granddaughter for you and that they named her Carolina. Do you really believe, sir, that your granddaughter being named Carolina is a reason for North Carolinians to vote for you or that your son and daughter-in-law procreated for you? Is my granddaughter's name a good reason for North Carolinians to vote for moi? It may be the only reason. They are pregnant again, you know. We will soon be welcoming my beautiful new granddaughter, Pennsylvania. I'm so happy. In fact, Don Jr. was not careful with a whore, and very soon his twin girls, Wisconsin and Minnesota, will be on the campaign trail with us. Next criminal, next criminal. Hey, Paula, again, Nils Lofgren, can you believe it? Unbelievable. It's just amazing. I just can't believe yeah. we're, we're so lucky and so energized by this tonight. We are lucky. Oh, oh, speaking of luck, wait a yeah. minute, Adam. Another, yeah. another email bid on the uh, compass that Charles Schultz used to make Charlie Brown's head from Allison Bell, who you will recall is the woman who um, subscribed to our podcast on all the model phones while she was waiting at a Target. Um, Allison Bell uh, put in a bid for $2,100. That's for the Charles Schultz uh, compass. Charles Schultz, by the way, started drawing when he was very young. And when he was a teenager, he drew a picture, I think it was of the family dog, that made it into a national publication. He said that it was one of the proudest moments of his life. Charles Schultz, who made the beloved Peanuts um, comic strip series. Ah, shit. Damn it. Rupert Murdoch just... uh, Rupert Murdoch just made a bit... Oh, man. I'd pay for it before I'd give it to... Rupert Murdoch, the media mogul, the 24th richest American in the, uh, uh, he bid $3,000. That He wipes his mouth with $3,000. Yeah, that know, is honestly. gross. Yeah, that's, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> it I feel bad for Allison to Bell. let him yeah. ha- have it, but 3000 there's none of us are going to be. So, by the way, Charles Schultz loved comic strips. He used to read what they called back then the funnies with his dad every Sunday. It was a tradition. Uh, and uh, there, and now fucking Rupert Murdoch bid $3,000 on. All right. Oh, well. Uh, Paula, Halloween is coming. It's right around the corner, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
And unlike most years, uh, we're not going to have kids trick-or-treating. If if Bonnie no. Burns hides candy on her doorstep and then pretends not to be home, as is her want. Well, she didn't hide it. She just put it out in a big bowl. Yeah, and you're then right. She, she put the big bowl out. Yeah. Yeah. No, she doesn't have, I have to worry a better this year. Plan. I have a better plan this year. I've people aren't oh, supposed yeah. to trick or treat this year. No, I know, but I think some people, I don't know, they have a neighborhood thing or something. So here's my plan. All the lights have... <laughs> Wait a minute. There's, no, I have to they do this. They don't, Bonnie. Nobody's coming to your door. No, I think they're doing some kind of thing. They're organizing some kind of thing. So here's my plan. All the lights have burned out in my front yard, like all the driveway lights and the porch light and the little pre-porch light. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get like Snickers bars or something like that and throw them all over the yard. And if those little kids find them, they're welcome to them. Oh, my God. And I still don't have to get off my ass. (laughs) No. What is wrong with you? Attention, Thousand Oaks, rats and squirrels. This bulletin, this is a Halloween bulletin for rats and squirrels. Bonnie Burns will be putting Snickers bars all over her lawn. And don't worry about the lights coming on because they've all burnt out. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have... That's awesome. I've hired an electrician to come and fix stuff. He has a whole list. And I just said... Hold off on fixing all the outdoor lights for now. <laughs> because of Halloween? Yeah, I'll just yeah. wait till after October 31st. You're yeah. a monster. No, no one's going to come in your yard that has no lights on and look for candy in your grass. This is ridiculous. Nobody is coming. Okay, move on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. I don't on. know if you guys all follow Bonnie's blog uh, uh, about... Um, <laughs> it's like a, a, a holiday decorating blog that tells people about how to give parties and things like that. A lot of party ideas. And she also makes a casserole. Well, no, remember I put the bowl of candy out and I said, what was yeah, it? Yeah, we remember. Honor system or something? The first kid took yeah. the whole bowl. Right, exactly. Last year, what happened? They came and rang the bell when all the lights were out. So here's Well, this is different this year. I don't know if you heard about what we're experiencing. (laughs) But this this year, the the rats, one rat's going to come take everything on the front yard. That's a good idea. Um, Okay. All right, it's, it's um, a great idea. All right, let's let's move ahead. Um, okay, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> what we thought is it would be a fun experience for us all tonight <laughs> to share scary or supernatural experiences from our real lives that were either about weird phenomena <laughs> or hollow Halloween or ghosts. And uh, with that in mind, uh, Paula, do you have any any of those? Anything you want to share? I do. I have kind of a scary story. Oh, yeah. Great. Uh, all right. So, um, okay. Uh, everybody go to the front of Bonnie's house. There's no lights. So it'll make it scary. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, all right. So I, this is something that I haven't shared before, so I'm a little uncomfortable saying it, um, but it's it's, it's wow. just us. It's just the nobodies. So, okay. So um, many years ago, I accidentally shot a man. Um, I thought. Wait, what? <laughs> okay, go many on, years go on. ago, 
I accidentally shot a man. I I thought that he was, um, I I thought that he was the ghost of someone that I had been accused of shooting years before that, and I had been oh, wow. a little, it, it, and it kind of was messing with my head, and I I I don't know. It's so I panicked, and I shot this guy, and it turned out it wasn't who I thought it was. And fortunately, my cousin Miriam was staying with me, and so she helped me. Don't tell anybody. But we um, we rolled him up in a rug, and late one night we brought him to a river, and we shoved him out of the car, and he rolled down the bank into the river, and and that was that. And and then a little bit later. Late one night, I heard noise downstairs, and I I got up to go down the stairs, and he was down there, and he was all muddy, and he started walking towards me, and I was backing up the stairs, screaming, trying to get away from him, and... uh my cousin Miriam came out and then he was gone. That's it. That was really scary. Wow. That's a scary, Wasn't it? scary story. Yeah. 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 It, it sounds even a little familiar, but I, I, I can't tell you from where. Um, yeah, I didn't even know that you uh, had a gun, Paula, at any point. Yeah. I don't that's anymore. The, that's the end of the story right there. Yeah. You shot a man, dumped him in the river, thought you saw him one night, turned out he wasn't there or he had disappeared. Yeah. And then his muddy feet were coming up the stairs and I was crawling up the stairs, screaming, trying to get away from him. And then my cousin Miriam came out and I said, he's right there, he's right there. And there was no one there. Was there any mud on the steps? No. Oh, see, it would have been spookier if there was. There was lint. There was <laughs> lint. There was lint on the steps. Hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. Charlotte, don't you cry. Okay, Paula, I feel like hush, hush. I feel like you. I feel like in some ways you didn't really do this assignment. Sweet Charlotte. <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on. Um, Tony Nidahal, can you tell you know us what? a real? I might have confused part of my life with. With, with, with that movie Hush Hush with Charlotte, I might have confused my life with that. That's what I thought it might be. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah Damn it! Not... It was. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't me. What was I thinking? Okay. That well, was, you know. That was Hush Hush with Charlotte. That was Joseph right. Cotton and 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 Betty Davis. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a I feel thing. like an idiot. It was yeah. told well. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know what? That happens to me. I just slip in and out of movies. I, uh, yeah. For Christ's sake. <laughs> That's totally all right, Paul. I mean, it was very entertaining and very well told. Um, let's see if we can work, uh, reach out to some real life experiences. Tony Anita Hull, I bet some freaky shit's happened in I your think life. You should, I, I go to Captain Kringle next. Kringle. Why? Kringle. What? Okay. I don't know. I'm all freaked out. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that was a scary story. She told it scary. Oh, I have another one. I have another one. Do you, Paula? What? Yeah. One night when I was at my prom, a whole fucking bucket of pig's blood was no, spilled on my Carrie. head. Oh, uh, Stop it. Uh, even <laughs> oh, I know what that oh, is. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. My mistake. That wasn't, that wasn't me. That wasn't right, me. Cap- I'm sorry. Let's go to Bonnie Burns, Captain Craig. Let's see if anybody's going to stick to format here. Bonnie, okay. what freaky thing has happened in your life? I thought the assignment was that we were supposed to tell a scary story. From your life. No, from your no. real life. That is true. <laughs> I, okay, I wasn't on the call last night, and I asked okay. Paula, what were we supposed to do? And she said, you're supposed to tell a scary story, which, by the way, she did. And so I thought that's what the assignment was. I'm not really good at telling spooky stories. So I got somebody to come on and tell a spooky story for me. She hosts a podcast. There's a new uh, episode every Thursday. It's called Ghosted. And it's a it's all about spooky <laughs> things and her curiosity about the paranormal. Her name's Roz Dresfales. And here she is. Hello. Ross? Hi, Ross. <laughs> wow. Hi, thanks for having me. Ross, can I just tell you one thing? One time Please. I was in my one time I was in my backyard and um we had a lot of rats and I was supposed to drown them, but instead I rescued them. That's Willard. Oh fuck. My <laughs> mistake. Damn it. Oh Jesus. You didn't live it. It's Willard. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that now. Well, Roz, welcome aboard. Uh, I, I need to ask, have you been listening in to the chaos that's happening here? Um, <laughs> I have not. Uh, oh, good. I just, uh, <laughs> I'm just joining you now. I'm sorry. What have I missed? Tell me everything. Well, we were all going to tell scary stories from our own lives. Um, Wait, I... Roz, <laughs> I have one. You can add this to... Okay, so a while ago I was in school and I got fascinated by like the human body and I, and I wanted to regenerate a human being. It's Frankenstein, uh, not you. Not shit, you. Shit, shit. Anyway, uh, Roz, what do you want to tell us tonight? Something from your own life? Some story that you want to relate? Well, uh, well, what would you guys like to hear? I mean, I've had a couple of experiences myself, but um, I can tell you tell one from Tell us a ghost story. Tell, yeah, tell us a ghost yeah, yeah. story. Tell, tell one from your life, a freaky ghosty thing from your life. Okay, wait, okay, okay, before okay. you start, before you start, I just have to tell you one thing. So one time I was driving and this <laughs> truck kept coming up behind me and I could never see the driver, but he was like trying to run me off the road. And... Every time I, I would pull over like a diner or something, and and then every time I got back in the car, that fucking truck was right behind me again, trying to run me off the road. I don't even know what that uh, is, Paula. Yeah, no, that's what is it? <laughs> Driver truck? She said. Drive? She said. What's that movie? Well, I was just watching one of my favorite Halloween traditions is watching the Paul Lind Halloween special. And I didn't know Paul Lind had a Halloween special. <laughs> oh my God, it's everything. It is like 70s craziness. And he does a whole truck driver bit that is so not Halloween-y. And it somehow got worked in there. And that's what I was thinking when you were talking about that. Imagine no. Paul Lind uh, driving behind you in a truck. No, no. I was just driving through the desert and um, 
uh, I never could see who it was. They just kept trying to run me off the road. And finally, um, I swerved at one point, and they went off a ravine. The whole truck went off a ravine. And then I, <gasps> I, and then I wept. Oh, my nobody's God. Seen, nobody's seen that one, Paula. Yeah. Have any of you guys had ghost or paranormal experiences? Or do you guys believe in this stuff? Well, Where that are we was at the question. That, that was I what do, we were supposed I, to be doing, Roz, and everybody ruined Tony, it. Tony, no, everybody I, I have didn't one. do it. I, I have one. I have one ready. Wait, I, just I want Roz to, go to tell us a ghost story. Roz, go ahead. Oh, tell yes. us a ghost and story. And then Tony can. Yeah, please. Okay, 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 okay. So when I was in high school, um, this guy asked me to the prom, but like, it, it was just kind of a whole situation. And then I figured out I had telekinesis and um, then they poured a bucket of blood on me. That's Harry. Then... Don't do that. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I sorry, already sorry. did that. <laughs> sorry. You know okay, what? Okay, okay, okay. Oh my God, Ross. Same thing happened to me. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll tell you a ghost story. Tell us a real okay. one. So everyone calls me the bargain bin beauty Roz dress Dressfiles because I shop at thrift stores exclusively. And I don't just dress Dressfiles. I also antique Dressfiles. And, you know, I, I like all kinds of things secondhand. I like things with a story. So I, about 10 years ago, was in a Goodwill. And I found a Ouija board for a dollar. And I was like, should I get it? It was like from like the 60s or 70s. And I thought it just looked cool and I didn't really want to use it. But I was like, okay, I'll get it. So I bought it and I was like, I'm not going to play with it because I kind of believe in like spooky stuff like that. So I'm just going to leave it in my apartment. So then this one night I like had this guy over to my house and we're just like hanging out. And we kept hearing like this weird tapping sound in my kitchen. And I didn't think anything of it. And then the next night, I'm laying Wait. in my bed. <laughs> okay. What? No, it's just... It wasn't like water or anything. I swear. It wasn't like the sink. It was like a so weird, like, why tapping. Why did you go into and... the kitchen and check it out? I mean, there's a weird tapping we did. sound. Well, kitchen. that's the thing. All of a sudden, the guy was, like, in my kitchen, like, looking around. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I keep hearing this tapping. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I keep hearing that, too. We have so much in common. And it turns <laughs> out it was nothing. And you know the what? second... A lot the of very that... successful marriages have been based on less. That's true. Oh yeah, we've been we've been married for six years. No, I'm just kidding. No, this, <laughs> this was like a long time ago. So, okay. uh, so, but it was weird because it would stop as soon as we'd be like, "What is that?" It was like instantly stop. Oh. It was like it was like intelligent in that way. Okay. So uh -huh. then the next night, I'm laying in bed by myself, and I'm sleeping. My back is to this window that's on the far side of my apartment at the time. And the windows open and I kept hearing like what sounded like someone scuffling and walking back and forth like the length of my apartment, but below me one floor in the parking lot that's right below the apartment. So you're not like, supposed to have the window forth. open. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Okay. I was just sitting there asleep, trying to sleep, but I kept hearing this, like this creepy breathing and just walking back and forth. And I'm like, okay, this has been way too long. What is going on out there? And I'm just, just still trying to sleep. And then all of a sudden I stop hearing the scuffling on the pavement and I hear the breathing get louder and it gets louder. And all of a sudden I hear the breathing in my apartment, but I hear my carpet scuffling. And it's breathing and scuffling on the carpet. Oh and all of a sudden, I felt something sit on my bed. And I turned around, and there was nothing there. And then all of a sudden, it sounded like 
someone taking their fingers and like running them all over the walls and the ceiling. And then the light turned on for a second and then turned off. And I was scared. And that's pretty much how that night ended. But it's a longer story. But um, basically, I had this this haunted Ouija board for like a couple of years. And like weird stuff like that was happening all the time. What'd you do with the Ouija board? At at first, when you said that you heard that heavy breathing, I was like, it's Trump. It's got to be Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Now, that would have been scary. No, it was uh, not that bad. Honestly, it was like, if it was a demon, I don't know what it was, but it, it was like a nice demon if it was a demon. But it you think like... it was associated with the, you, oh, there's such nice demons. People don't realize. Um, you yeah. think it was associated with the Ouija board? I really do because, um, you know, I did all the things that people told me to do with it. Like I put like, you know, crystals and a rosary and whatever would work. I put it in the box and I buried it away in a closet And things kind of stopped, and then I moved to another place. And as soon as I moved to the other place, that same kind of activity started again. And um, then eventually I just kind of threw it away in a dumpster. I didn't really know what to do with it, but I just threw it away. And then for the most part, things kind of stopped. Huh. You'd think it would have been upset that you put it in a dumpster and it would have come after you again. Yeah, you know, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes people spend a lot of time exorcising and dispelling when they really should just be throwing shit out. Exactly. Yeah, just throw in the dumpster. Decluttering is absolutely the key to breaking hauntings. Now, Roz, that was a fantastic story. I want to ask you, do you, and, and you should answer this honestly, do you want to hang around for the rest of the segment and hear Tony's story and maybe mine if I have one, or or, or do you need to uh, get along with stuff? Oh, I love to hear ghost stories. Are you talking about oh, ghost stories? Yeah. 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 Tony's oh my, oh my God, not really ghosty, but, but Tony's might. Tony, what do you got? Oh, well, Okay. Um, mine's like a happy ghost story, though. <laughs> it's more like a Casper the ghost kind of story. It's like, it, it makes it, well, whatever. Um, so, and it's also slightly sad. That's why I didn't want to go first. Oh, um, but, so, um, so I was living with my brother and sister-in-law at the time, and my mother had passed away. I was in college, but I was doing a semester from home, and, uh... I fell asleep on the couch and I should have been doing schoolwork and because I, I had work to do and I was sleeping there and then I heard Miss T get up and my mom used to call me Miss T because when I was a kid I loved Mr. T so much. Um, <laughs> so my whole family actually calls me Miss T and I was like and I wake up and then I see our two dogs sitting on the back of the couch just watching something walk back and forth. Like their heads <gasps> were just wow. watching. And then um, and then I like closed my eyes and I was like, I'm just whatever. I must be dreaming. And then I heard, Miss T, do your work now. And I just, and so and then I got up and I started doing my work. So that was it. Wow. But apparently, apparently she haunted my eldest brother. Be, to freak him out because he's kind of a jackass, so he deserved it. But anyway, wow, yeah, my brother has a lot of stories of like hearing her voice and then her like throwing his laundry into the middle of the floor and just being like <laughs> mad. So wow, yeah. that's my guy. I mean, like I said, it wasn't like a sat. Like it wasn't like freaky. I was like, oh, my my mom. No, that's freaky, Tony. That's a good that story. That is freaky. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's very freaky. Wow. Thank you so Kathy much, Hall. Tony Anita Hall. Uh, arguably the only person on our on our elite crack team that, that actually did their assignment. Because uh, Paul, <laughs> okay, Paula, wait. Told, All right, wait, Paula wait, told a wait. movie plot, and, and Bonnie phoned a I friend. I brought Roz. <laughs> yeah. I got okay, I got one. I got one. I got one. What more do you want? Okay. All right. So I was riding. I was riding in a van with some friends of mine That's and a Scooby big dog. Ghostbusters. Oh fuck! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not my life. You're right. I have no real life of my own. You're right. What? What, what was I thinking? Yeah. Oh, okay. I I love ghosts. I love them. Oh, yeah. I think it's so fascinating. I, I don't have any ghost stories. The one I brought was just a a little mild ESP story, and I, I don't think anybody needs that. So I think we'll no. Uh, go just, ahead. Uh, go ahead. Tell us the well, ESP uh, story. Or... It, it it is about the power of comedy for ent- extrasensory perception, and it, and it concerns it concerns my, my my life in college. I was I was in an improv company in in college, uh, like like a lot of people are, and I loved it. And there was this woman in it, and I'll I'll, I'll call her Eva because that was her name, and uh-huh. she just she was from North Dakota, and she just kind of. She had. She would always say things that were unexpectedly correct. Uh-huh. Um, and, and and to give you an example, this is just a little thing that would happen. We would do this thing where you would leaf through the pages of a play and ask um, ask people to say stop, and then you would stop on that page of the play, and um, and then that that would be all your lines for the scene, reading off of that page. Whenever uh-huh. anybody stopped, Eva would yell out a number, and it was always the number that that person was on. And it always seemed like she didn't want to be yelling it, but she did. Oh, in my fact, gosh. In fact, once she did that, with when there were two people leaving through plays, we are going to do a scene where two people had plays in their hands, and she yelled two numbers, and they were both correct. And it upset her so much that she left the theater. She left the rehearsal. Oh. Wow. Wow. So, anyway, cool. simultaneously, yeah. I started doing this thing where... I thought it'd be really fun. You know, I always thought it was really funny to answer things, answer questions as though I knew the answer, just to be mm-hmm. funny, right? And I started noticing around the same time that this was happening with Eva that I was more often than I wanted to be right. And and then so it happened one day at, at lunch, and then I can't I can't remember what it was about. And then I went to my friend's room in his dorm, and he was packing up to go home to Connecticut for the weekend. And he said, well, "I think I got everything." And I said, "What about your contact lenses? Bottom drawer under your jeans." And I wow. had I didn't know he, that he wore contact lenses, um, but he said I have my contacts. Looked in his bag, didn't opened up his bottom drawer under his jeans was his contact lens case. Oh and wow! I, I I was a little freaked out about that, and I went, but you know I told myself it was just like this silly cool thing that's happening. And I walked outside my dorm, and there in front of my dorm, talking to two guys was Eva, and she was telling a story. Um, or just talking. As I walked near, I heard her saying, what do you think I saw? And I yelled out of nowhere, an elk! Because that was hilarious. And she looked at me and went, yes, an elk. <gasps> and then she followed wow. me a few steps. Then she followed me a few steps and said, stop doing that. And I stopped doing that. <gasps> that is so crazy. Spooky. I- okay, wait, I got another one. Okay. All right. So one time I was having I was having some behavior problems and so um I got strapped to a bed and um No, that's the exorcist. 
Ah, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah you're right. You know, what am I thinking? What What am I thinking? No, it was. All he right. was right. It was the, you know, and the green vomit. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Huh. You know well, what's right. crazy? I just had on an exorcist on my podcast. Did you really? Ooh. You did? Yeah, she's she operates out of LA and she's a uh, a real life exorcist. And I I actually very much believe what she has to say. And it's not necessarily, you know, the the green vomit and head spinning kind of a thing, but um, she removes all kinds of entities from people. <gasps> wow. Wow. Well, what'd she have to say? Did she she believes in walk-ins? What'd she have to say? She believes in what? Walk-ins. <laughs> Bonnie, do What's you mean like when you don't make a reservation and they seat you anyway? <laughs> no, isn't that what happens? The evil person walks into the normal person, right? Oh, well, she doesn't Raj. necessarily deal with human energies you know it's more um things that were never human to begin with talk about spooky yes um ellen burston has her on speed dial um (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh wait wait i got one okay so one time one time i was going to visit this guy that i had just met and um there there was a part of the It was a part of, he lived on like an island area. And to get to him, you had to take a little boat. And just as I arrived on the boat, like a seagull. um, Cape Fear. It's the birds. Oh, damn it. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. How could I have thought that was that was me. My mistake. You, 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 okay, sorry well, you, about you know that. You know what? Rather than take mistake. up your entire night, Roz, I'm so glad that Bonnie made the mistake of inviting you on this show because it was so entertaining. <laughs> Do you want to help us out? Let us know once again, what is the name of your podcast and where can we find it? Sure. It's called Ghosted! Explanation Point by Roz Dresfelez. And it's um, on Starburns Audio, everywhere you find podcasts. And I have on celebrities and experts and everyday people. And we've had all different kinds of people on. And it's every Thursday, all year round. Fantastic. Cool. Happy Halloween. And Roz Dresfelez, thanks for coming on our show. Thank you, Roz. Yeah, thanks, Roz. Thanks, Roz. Thanks for having me. All right, bye everyone. Bye, Rob. Bye. Bye. That was such a fun surprise. That was a was great a fun surprise. surprise. It was like Christmas on Halloween. Mm-hmm. What a you know what's weird is I found a Ouija board in a dumpster one time. No, that's Roz's story. <laughs> oh, my mistake. Okay, yeah, didn't happen yeah. to you. I see. I see that now. Yeah. Yeah. Now do you see that? Okay. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, right. man. I I really well, was freaking out. Paula, besides completely busted segments, what else is going on in the Poundstone Empire this week? Oh my gosh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We just got another uh, uh, online bid uh, from Bruce Mills, who is a nobody. Uh, He has bid $3,100. Thank goodness he took it away from Rupert Murdoch. Um, (laughs) And when I say it, I'm referring to Charles Schultz's compass that he used to draw Charlie Brown's head. Um... And, and by the way, on Charles Schultz's mother's advice uh, when he was a, a teenager, um, he took a correspondence course with the Federal School of Applied Cartooning. 
And as it happened, in the 1940s, newspaper editors started pushing for, like, less detailed drawings. Um, and so he sort of crafted his style with that in mind. Um, the first Peanuts strip appeared on October 2nd, 1950. It appeared in seven newspapers, and he was 27 years old uh, when the first wow. when the first uh, Peanuts appeared. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fuck. It's Rupert Murdoch again. Oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, Rupert Murdoch is estimated worth of $19.1 billion. Like he really needs the Charles Schultz compass. Um, he created Fox Network. That Rupert Murdoch. He created Fox Network in 1986. And boy, has that been helpful to American life. Uh, Rupert Murdoch has bid $10,000 on the Charles Schultz compass that he used to draw Charlie Brown's head. Um, Before his retirement in December 1999, the Peanuts were syndicated in 2,600 newspapers around the world. And the books, his books were translated into over 25 languages. Even NASA aircraft were named after Peanuts characters. Um, I would have loved to have flown in the pig pen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, it always bugged me as a kid that, uh, that that the insult that was most commonly leveled at Charlie Brown by his peers was blockhead. Yeah, that's not and, nice. and, and And arguably his head was the opposite shape of a block. Huh, I never even thought about that, but you're, you're absolutely right about that. So that it, was it, what it, bothered you? And it was many things bothered me as a kid. Especially all those ghosts. All right, Paula, what else is going on in your product empire this week? And and Bonnie, may, may, maybe move move your face a little farther away from the microphone. Okay, how's that? <laughs> I don't think that. I you know what, Adam? I don't think that was Bonnie. <laughs> do you think? I we, think it was think our podcast boy. is being haunted by Darth Vader. It was a ghost. Bonnie, will you open your door? Oh yeah, hold on. <laughs> Wait a sec. Hold on a minute. Wait, uh, I gotta get. It. Hold on a minute. <laughs> oh my gosh! I heard that on the night the guy's feet were come. Oh no, but that was hush hush sweet Charlotte. I remember now. Okay. That? <laughs> That's perfect. You know what? When the um, you know what you might do. On Halloween night, when the rats come to eat the Snickers bars off your grass, make that sound. That'll scare the shit out of them. Adam, you know what I wanted to tell you? In deference to Heidi, who felt we do far too many plugs, I'm just going to say, I like the scary background noise. I'm just going to say that I do video messages for people, and you can order one at cameo.com slash Three three, that's cameo.com slash Paula P three three. That's all I'm gonna say in deference to Heidi, who felt we do too many plugs. So if you, the listener, were to go to my website at paulapoundstone.com, it would not be because I said so tonight. That's absolutely true. Paula did not encourage you to go to paulapoundstone.com to find out all about her stuff. Just like I, Bonnie, you can stop. <laughs> Is that? Is that a scary dog barking somewhere? Yeah, it is. It was a, 
there was a dog and there was chewing and there was doors and no, it's, it's like we've got our it's foley artists over there. It's just Bonnie a lot. does a lot of the sound uh, for Cujo. Anyway, she does um, the sound for Cujo. If the World Series is still going on, everybody, by the time you hear this, and check in on Adam Felber, uh, my, my my Twitter feed, or check just check the Paula Poundstone, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Facebook page, and you'll find out about our simulcast, which is really funny. But in deference to Heidi, I'm going to move on and say, if you want to enter our theme song contest, send your song to us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. That's where you send everything. Nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com, and that's our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. It's hosted by Paula Wait a minute, Poundstone. Adam, Adam. Yes. Allison Bell just bid $10,100. Allison Bell, the nobody who uh, subscribed to our podcast on all the display phones at the Target. She has been te- bid $10,100 outbidding Rupert Murdoch for the compass that Charles Schultz used. To make Charlie Brown's head perfectly round, thank you, Allison Bell, and congratulations. Okay, go ahead, Adam. Great. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is posted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Aviva Alvarez-Zaxon, and thanks to our house band, the amazing Nils Lofgren, who has now found a second calling after the E Street Band and all his other stuff. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie, Starburns production by Land Romo, and of course, as ever... A thank you to our former intern, Doug, taken from us too soon. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You know, Adam, Heidi is, yeah. Heidi is not the boss of me. Well, you, you, you let her be the boss of you, in fact, tonight. Yeah. Well, we didn't do as much plugs as we usually do, but that, that Heidi, she can't it. push me. She can't push me around. I just didn't want to say anything else that I happened to do or sell. I just didn't want to promote anything else tonight. It's not because Heidi tells me what to do. I feel, I feel like she kind of has some kind of hold on you, Paula. No. No, she doesn't. No, she right. doesn't. Do you want to promote anything then? As we're on the outro here, you could promote stuff. I do have a remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a, and a memorable quote on the back that's so available at my store at paulapoundstone.com. That's one of the things. Yeah, yeah take that, Heidi. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you know Why what? For you... your other cheek, Heidi? What? Why can't you tell Heidi that you're going to be at the Birch Beer? <laughs> In Alexandria, Virginia, <laughs> on November 13th and 14th. Oh, give it a rest, Bonnie. <laughs> you don't get a chance to perform that much. It's a no, big you know deal. This is our kid. Like, this is our you know kid right here. You, no, you know what it is? It's like from Chorus Line. Dance for Grandma. Dance for Grandma. <laughs> All right. Um, all right, take this, Heidi. I'm going to be at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia, the 13th and 14th of November. Thank you. Show everybody what you can do. Why do I pay for all those lessons? <laughs> Paula 
Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.